You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. If you walk up to a random person on the street and ask their birthday, there's only a 1 in 365 chance that they'll have the same birthday as you, about 0.27%. If you ask 19 more random people, your odds improve, but only just. You're still not even at a 5% chance. But if you put 19 random people in a room and start asking, the chances of two people having the same birthday increase dramatically. How good? About 50-50. This is the birthday paradox. My name's Moxie, and this is your Brain on Facts. We've all been there. You're standing in a museum, staring at a painting, and all you can think is, I don't get it. To me, knowing the story behind an artwork is a huge part of knowing how to look at it. I'm Amanda, the host of the Art of History podcast, where we view history through the lens of some really great works of art. Each episode, we dive deep into the bigger picture behind some familiar and maybe not so familiar pieces. Check out Art of History now wherever you get your podcasts. So it happens to be my actual factual birthday, as well as the approximate birthday of Your Brain on Facts. Since we just celebrated 100 episodes, it's a weekly show and I've only missed a couple of weeks along the way. Today's episode, entitled Around the World in 80 Birthdays, may not actually have 80 different birthday traditions in it, but we are going around the world to see how everybody tells somebody at least once a year, I'm glad you're here. It's also bonus episode day over at patreon.com slash yourbrainonfacts. The bonus episode that's posting is an offshoot for today's topic that has always fascinated me. It's a pedestrian activity, but it must be done with utmost precision and care. Want to know what it is? All you need to do is sign up alongside Edward, Cupcake Queen, Michael M., Scott, Crispy Platypus, Eric, Taylor, Jennifer, Ruthann, and Kate, all of whom have joined within the last month. Calendars are sort of arbitrary things. We all just decided we'd call this day the 10th of March. Before global travel and commerce, knowing the exact date didn't matter to the average person. You needed to know when to plant and when to reap. Anything more specific was fluff. It's one reason that birthdays came late in the list of mankind's cultural developments. But people noticed the annual patterns of the sun and the seasons, counted the days and organized them and gave them names and numbers. And that made annual celebrations of all kinds of things easier. The first mention of a birthday celebration is in the Bible, and it references a 3000 BCE party for an Egyptian pharaoh. But those who studied it believe it wasn't the day the pharaoh was born, but the day he died, and was thus reborn as a god. Jump forward to Greece, where people offered tributes and sacrifices to the gods and goddesses, including Artemis, the goddess of the wilderness, the moon, the hunt and wild animals, fertility, and birth. People made moon-shaped cakes topped with lit candles to recreate the glow of the moon and Artemis's legendary beauty. It's assumed that the Greeks adopted the Egyptian tradition of celebrating the birth of a god. They, along with other cultures, thought that these days of major change, these birthdays, left you vulnerable to evil spirits, but the candles would be both a light in the darkness 
and a symbol of a wish or prayer. Blowing the candle out would send that prayer up to the gods. Ominous elements aside, these birthdays were a time of gatherings, gifts, and raucous noise. The Egyptians and Greeks celebrated the birthdays of gods and god-kings, but it would be the Romans to first celebrate the birth of a non-religious figure. Regular Roman citizens would celebrate the birthdays of their friends and family, and the government created public holidays in honor of more famous people. Fiftieth birthdays were marked with a special cake made from flour, olive oil, grated cheese, and honey. If you were a man, of course. It wouldn't be until the 12th century before the female half of the population got to celebrate their birthdays. The origin of birthday celebrations in polytheistic religions is one of the reasons that they didn't go over well with the early Christian church. That stance carries through today with Jehovah's Witnesses. None of the protagonists in the Bible celebrated a birthday, so neither do they. Jumping ahead to the 18th century, German bakers invented the birthday cake as we know it. Cakes with candles were served at Kinderfest, a party held for children, with one candle for each year of their age. Hot on its heels was the Industrial Revolution, which meant that white flour and white sugar were being produced more efficiently and could be purchased more cheaply. Now, sweet birthday cakes were within every family's reach. Owing to the global saturation of American TV and movies, I'm going to assume that what we do on birthdays is pretty well known, so we'll pop up the apples and pears to Canada, where birthday boys and girls are sometimes ambushed and their noses smeared with grease or butter for good luck. To the south in Mexico and their fabulously festive, if slightly violent, piñata, a brightly decorated papier-mâché person, animal, or shape filled with candy that blindfolded children hit with a stick until the candy falls out. Ugh, everyone knows that, you say. Yes, but does everyone know that piñatas aren't actually Mexican? As pasta to the Italians, piñatas were invented in China to celebrate the Lunar New Year ostensibly and were brought to the New World by Europeans. Bonus fact, Russian nesting dolls aren't really Russian either, at least the concept of them. Round, hollow, wooden dolls painted like women of descending sizes originated in Japan as Honshu dolls. One thing Mexico and much of Latin America do have, though, is la quinceanera, an end-all and be-all celebration of a girl's 15th birthday that gives any sweet 16 party a real run for its money. It has many of the same trappings as a modern wedding, with the guest of honor, herself called a quinceanera, decked out in a beautiful gown and flanked by damas, or maids of honor. There's a fancy cake and a special dance. Jamaica has a tradition alluded to in this week's Mystery Monday Clues. The clues last week were a snake, Chinese water snake specifically, ladies in modest dress exercising, and a hot spring. Nobody guessed close enough to the topic of scam health resorts, but you'll get them next time, champ. You can see the clues each week at Facebook and Instagram.com slash YourBrainOnFacts and Twitter at BrainOnFactsPod. And the first person to guess the topic correctly gets to show off how smart they are with Wyboff Brain Stickers. Regardless of your age in Jamaica, you might find yourself antiqued, i.e. coated with flour by friends and family, either at your party or in an ambush. Jamaicans also hold that it's considered bad luck to marry on the birthday of either the bride or the groom. 
The jury's still out on that, thankfully, since I married my husband on his birthday, in part because our wedding was a surprise to the partygoers and so that he can't forget our anniversary. Children in Ecuador celebrate two birthdays, or one and a half. The lion's share of the celebrating is done on the feast day of the Catholic saint they're named for. On their actual birthday, they tend to just get a card. Celebrating on a patron saint's day was common in most Catholic communities until not as comparatively recently as recently. Pinterest queens making goodie bags for their kids' friends had better not step up to Peru. There, guests at a birthday party might receive two different kinds of party favors. Souvenirs called recordatario. The first is a goodie bag, but the second is a pin made to honor the event. Some are so elaborate that children, and even adults, collect them. Peruvian children also wear fancy paper hats, though the birthday child gets a crown, naturally. When selecting a gift in Peru, as well as Brazil, Italy, Switzerland, and parts of East Asia, avoid knives, scissors, or anything pointy. They represent the severing of ties and relationships, not the message you're trying to send. Unless you are, in which case, have at. I've done that, actually, given a sword as a gift. Just showed up at my friend's door in high school with it. Her mother was very perplexed. Bonus fact, Paddington Bear is from Darkest Peru because his creator, Michael Bond, thought it would be good to have Paddington come from Darkest Africa until his agent pointed out there aren't any bears native to Africa, so Bond changed it. We interrupt your regular broadcast with a special announcement. Y'all, I messed up two weeks ago. I accidentally left one of the contributions out of our 100th Fast Fact episode. I mislabeled the Gmail from Brisky over at Turn of Phrases podcast. And Brisky, if you're listening, and I hope you still are, I am so sorry about that. Rather than wait for episode 150 to roll around, look for Brisky's segment at the end of today's show. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program, already in progress. Across the Atlantic in Germany, timing is everything. Never wish someone a happy birthday before the actual day. Just to be safe, some people don't give their children their gifts until the day after their birthday. There's a phrase in German, and I apologize now to all my German-speaking listeners, Man soll den Tag nicht vor dem Abend loben which translates to don't praise the day before the evening, analogous to don't count your chickens before they're hatched. At least the birthday child is exempt from housework or chores while they're waiting. Did anyone else's family do this? In my family, of part German extraction, you didn't have to do housework that whole week. Ah, sehr gut. The house is decorated and the kitchen table might be adorned with a special wooden wreath with little candles all around the outside and a big ornate candle in the center that's left burning all day, at least until you turn 12. Wreaths come up again if a man hits his 25th birthday as a bachelor. His friends may hang Sachenkranz, a wreath made of old socks on his door. The old socks are meant to mock his old age, though I had initially interpreted the socks on the door thing very differently. When he turns 30, if he's still on the market, An old tradition has it that he is to sweep the steps of the city hall as his friends dump rubbish onto the steps. The embarrassing ordeal is supposed to go on until the birthday boy has so impressed a female passerby with his domestic skills that she gives him a kiss. 
If you go out for drinks on your birthday in Germany, bring your wallet, because you'll be expected to pay. Leaving the land of Hefenweizen to the Isle of Stouts. In Ireland, birthday children and adults get bumps. It's sort of like the American birthday spanking or the pinch to grow an inch. Except, if you're little, you could expect to be flipped upside down by an adult to have your head gently, one hopes, bumped against the ground once for each year. As an adult, your friends might try to flip you over, otherwise they'll just bump you while you're right side up. Similar to the birthday bumps, ear-pulling is Hungary's beloved birthday tradition. Once a year, a doting mother, older brother prone to teasing, or enthusiastic auntie lovingly pulls on the lucky birthday kid's earlobes, once for each year they've been alive. And there's a special rhyme that goes with it, at least it rhymes in the Hungarian, God bless you and live so long that your ears reach your ankles. And Hungary isn't the only country that embraces this adorable-sounding custom. 6,000 miles away back in South America, Brazil and Argentina never miss the chance for birthday ear-pulling. In Holland, certain birthdays are better than others. Just like we put more emphasis on ages like 16, 18, and 21, people in Holland call special birthdays the crown years. Those are 5, 10, 15, 20, and 21, where the presents and the parties are bigger. The children have a cake with candles or tarts, served with lemonade or hot chocolate. By the by, if you've ever felt uncertain about the difference between the Netherlands and Holland, the Netherlands is the country as a whole, while Holland refers to the two provinces of North and South Holland. People and things from the Netherlands are Dutch, while Danes come from Denmark. Norwegians also traditionally eat chocolate cake on their birthdays, and at school that day, the birthday child picks a classmate to dance with in front of the class. At their birthday parties, guests may go fishing, but not for fish. They play a game called Fishing for Ice Cream, where everyone pulls up a frozen treat attached to a string, and I demand that this tradition be brought to the United States immediately. Birthday celebrations are generally reserved for kids, but 18th birthdays are special because now you're old enough to vote, buy cigarettes, drink, and drive. For clarity, there was an Oxford comma there. It is never acceptable to drink and drive. Norwegians let their neighbors know that there's a birthday in the house by hanging their national flag out, as do folks in Denmark, though the Danes put it in the window of the birthday person. Children wake up to presents all around their bed, so they'll see them as soon as they open their eyes. Rather than a sponge-type cake, Danish boys get a K-man, a cake man, and girls get a K-kon, cake girl. You might have seen these on one of the Sandy Tossig seasons of the Great British Bake Off. The K-person is a yummy homunculus of cakes, sweet buns, marzipan, gummy candy, whatever you like. And service starts by cutting off its head and everyone cheers. As in Germany, birthdays can get pranky, this time for bachelorettes too. A single person might find themselves tied to a chair, nicely, and doused in cinnamon. If the lucky man or woman is still alone on their 30th birthday, the cinnamon is swapped out for eggs and black pepper. And they'll be called Piersvin, pepper man, or Piersvun, pepper maid. Denmark also places extra emphasis on, and enthusiasm in, celebrating years that end in zero, where the birthday dinner can easily run over six hours. 
Down Lithuania way, they put a garland on the front door when someone's having a birthday. Like dancing the hora at a Jewish wedding, the birthday person sits in a decorated chair and family and friends lift them up three times, and they get to wear a stylish sash for the day. Over in the boot, Italians are also tugging ears like the Hungarians, and paying for their own birthday dinners and drinks like the Germans, as well as being the one to bring sweets into work. Kids in Israel get lifted up on chairs too, but they might also get to wear a crown made of leaves or flowers. Their cakes are, like most of ours in the U.S., shaped and decorated to reflect what the child is into that year. Soccer, princesses, Xbox, what have you. You probably already know which birthday is the special one for Jewish children, but in case someone in the back hasn't been paying attention, when boys turn 13 and girls 12, they become bar and bat mitzvah, meaning they are now adults and are expected to behave according to Jewish law. Cash is an okay gift, as long as it's in a multiple of 18, a spiritually significant and therefore lucky number. A Hindu child in India's first or third birthday might be marked by the mundun, or head-shaving ritual. It's believed that shaving the hair removes negativity carried over from a past life, cleanses the child's inner being while protecting them from evil, and as a bonus, improves hair growth. The shorn hair might be scattered in a holy river or offered to a god. The baby or toddler is then washed with holy water, and if they got any cuts, as squirming creatures tend to do, those will be treated with a mix of turmeric and sandalwood oil. Bigger kids often get to wear new clothes for their birthday. A child might rise at daybreak and get dressed in their new clothes, then kneel and touch the feet of their parents as a sign of respect. The family then goes to pray at a shrine where the child is blessed. They're not expected to go to school that day, but if they do, they may hand out sweets to the entire class with the help of a trusted friend. When giving a gift in India, shy away from those modern, minimalist wrapping paper designs. To receive a birthday present wrapped in black and white is considered bad luck. And definitely don't hand it to the person with your left hand. In many countries, from Senegal to Japan and in between, the left hand is considered unclean. And using it for anything involving another person is disrespectful. If you're giving cash in India, make it an odd-numbered amount. Odd numbers are lucky, especially if they end in a one, since one signifies new beginnings and a new chance for prosperity. A Nepalese birthday child sports a colorful splodge of rice, yogurt, and bright spices or floral powders on their forehead, placed there for good luck. Oil lamps are burned instead of candles, but don't get clever and try blowing them out. One lamp is an offer to the god Ganesha, and the other one is for good luck for the birthday child, and blowing them out would definitely bring the birthday child bad luck. If you celebrate your birthday while in Nepal and someone gives you a gift, set it aside to open it later. It's actually rude to open it in front of the other person. And there's giving on both sides. The family, and it's usually family celebrating rather than friends, may give small presents to orphan children in the area, or make lunch for an old people's home or for monks in their community. Have you ever wondered what really happened to Amelia Earhart or the lost colony of Roanoke? 
Do you ever find yourself scouring the internet for vicious Victorians and their murders by gaslight? Or perhaps you're just sick and tired of women being constantly misrepresented or plain lied about throughout history. If so, join me, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books on Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class, part of the Area of Media Network, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, au revoir, au revoir to zen, my friends. Bye-bye. I'll be seeing you. There are really many reasons to listen to our podcast, Big Picture Science. It's kind of a challenge to summarize them all, Molly. Okay, here's a reason to listen to our show, Big Picture Science, because you love to be surprised by science news. We love to be surprised by science news. So, for instance, I learned on our own show that I had been driving around with precious metals in my truck before it was stolen. That was brought up in our show about precious metals and also rare metals, like most of the things in your catalytic converter. I was surprised to learn that we may begin naming heat waves like we do hurricanes. You know, prepare yourself for heat wave Lucifer. I don't think I can prepare myself for that. Look, we like surprising our listeners. We like surprising ourselves by reporting new developments in science and while asking the big picture questions about why they matter and how they will affect our lives today and in the future. Well, we can't affect lives in the past, right? No, I I guess that's a point. (laughs) So the podcast is called Big Picture Science and You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. We are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us. We hope you'll take a listen. Birthdays are more of a geographic thing in Sudan. Children who live in cities tend to celebrate them, but children in the country don't. Birthdays just aren't a thing traditionally in many African cultures. But the kids who do have them can expect pizza and cake with candles Wash down with karkadi, a red drink made from hibiscus flowers. Money is the gift to give, rather than toys or clothes. Sudanese kids play games, as kids everywhere do at parties, including one called the sheep and the hyena. The only description I've found made half sense at best, so if you're Sudanese or know someone who is, slide into my DMs and let me know what it's like. Like crown years in the Netherlands, Nigerians get extra excited for the 1st, 5th, 10th, and 15th birthdays, with huge parties of a hundred or more guests. For a big crowd, they may roast a whole cow, or a goat for a medium-sized party, and serve it with jollof rice, made with rice, tomatoes, peppers, onions, and cassava, which is like a sweet potato and where tapioca comes from. They may play a game called Pass the Parcel that I think I've played at holiday parties. Music plays while guests pass around a package with many layers of wrapping. When the music stops, the person holding the package takes off one layer and it starts up again. The person who takes off the final layer gets the prize inside. In Ghana, birthday kids get a special breakfast called Oto, made from mashed sweet potato and eggs fried in palm oil. And their birthday dinner, with lots of friends and family, is traditionally a stew called kelewele, served with rice and fried plantains. The Asante people specifically celebrate Krada, or Soul Day. On a person's Krada, they wake early for a ceremonial cleansing, washing with a special leaf that's soaked overnight in water. 
When giving gifts in Ghana, don't read anything into it if the person doesn't open it in front of you. Or if they do. Either way is socially acceptable. If the word Asante sounds familiar to you, or you'd like to learn something else about them, check out the episode Good Morning to You from back in August 2018, before I started numbering the episodes for simplicity. If you prefer things in a visual medium, you can always read about it this summer when your brain on facts goes physical in the form of ink lines on smooth paper mush. That's right, your brain on facts is going to become a book. You can pre-order it now by going to yourbrainonfacts.com slash book. Last week, I told you about a three-star review that I got that had some, we'll say, criticism that I don't agree with, and I asked folks who'd been meaning to leave a review if they would so we could try to get the star average back up and drive that review further down the page, and you guys certainly didn't disappoint. So I'm going to read two reviews today. The first comes from, I'm going to guess this is pronounced, Mrs. Sherera, who said, My gateway podcast drug. I never thought I'd get into podcasts. Then I found your brain on facts. Moxie and her research is like the top-level stuff I grade the rest of my podcasts to. She kept me awake and going for a 14-hour drive to the beach, and I've been an addict ever since. Thanks, Moxie, for opening up my ears to the insane world of podcasts and congrats on the 100th episode. Thank you, Mrs. Sherera. And from north of the border, someone calling themselves The Laundress in Canada said, One of the best for me in 2020. Lovely voice and clear production are what you'll notice first. The intelligence and humor will keep you listening. So happy to have found this podcast. And I'm happy you did too, The Laundress. If you want to hear your username and opinion read on the show, Drop a review through the Apple Podcast app or whatever app you're listening to. If you're not sure how to do that, you can always leave it as a recommendation on the Facebook page. Birthday celebrations in Kenya are very similar to those in the U.S. Kids commonly bring treats to school on their birthday, but the kids actually feed each other their piece of cake. Speaking of which, the birthday child will be fed a piece of cake first by their parents then their teacher, and then their best friend. If you're visiting with the Maasai, don't think a thing of it if someone spits on your present before giving it to you. Actually, you can feel good about it, because it's a way of giving blessings. The Maasai also spit on the head of a newborn child, on their hands before they shake, and as a sign of greeting or farewell. In Egypt, where birthdays arguably started, they decorate the house with paper garland called Zina, that look a bit like paper doll-style snowflakes. Babies get two birthdays in their first year, from a certain point of view. Friends, relatives, and neighbors gather at the home with lighted candles, flowers, and fruit when the baby is one week old, and again 51 weeks later for a big party with dancing and singing on their actual birthday. Speaking of things that happen twice, it's traditional for gifts to be wrapped twice in Egypt, in two different colors. Flowers may be used to decorate the house, but don't give them as a gift. In Egypt, flowers are strictly reserved for weddings or the sick. Now from the Nile to Novgorod. Russia is another country where you don't do birthday things before the proper date. If scheduling is an issue, you'd better push it later. 
Birthday children get a present at school, not only from their friends, but they may get flowers, art supplies, or a book from their teacher. Those flowers will not include yellow tulips. In Russia, those stand for betrayal and the end of a relationship. And there will be an odd number, because even-numbered bouquets are only for funerals. Besides the gifts in schools, children can pick gifts off a clothesline of small presents hung up by the adults, which is definitely something we need to bring here. Rather than birthday cake, they might be presented with a pie with a birthday greeting baked into the crust. It's not uncommon for people in Russia to initially refuse the offer of a gift. If they do, protocol is to leave it on a table before you go and say something that minimizes the gesture. I'm not skipping over Oceania, but birthdays are either quite a recent cultural addition or didn't add much to the conversation. After reading several lists of birthday traditions, the only thing anyone said about Australia was that they eat fairy bread. White bread, spread with butter, and topped with round sprinkles. Or hundreds and thousands if you're from the home counties. At least this will test whether or not one of my sisters listens to the show. She's lived in Australia for over a decade, and I would hope would jump in and correct me. The Philippines are a mixture of East and West. Birthday cakes, balloons, even piñatas, sure, but also noodles representing long life. You can tell when someone's having a birthday, look for the house with blinking colored lights on the outside. In Indonesia, you better keep your head on a swivel because pranks are more popular than parties. Trust no one. Your family and closest friends are just biding their time, waiting for a chance to push you into the pool, smash cake into your face, or bestow upon your head water, flour, and or eggs. There are some places in Asia where people get to be a kid again when they reach a certain age. When a man reaches the age of 61 in Japan, he wears a red hat and red vest to celebrate his konrike, or second childhood. In Korea and China, you get your big do-over birthday at the age of 60. In Malaysia, amidst the food, family, music, and games, you may get or give an ang bao. This is a small red packet filled with money. Crisp new bills and shiny coins only, please. No battered old money that's been through the washing machine. Red envelopes and longevity noodles are back as we move into China. The longer the noodle, the longer the person's life is the hope, and they're slurped up whole rather than being bitten short. The amount of money in the envelope should not begin with the number four because it sounds like the Chinese for death. That's also why you won't find fourth floors in Chinese buildings, just as tall buildings in the West jump from the 12th to the 14th. The number eight, on the other hand, is a lucky number, so work that into the amount of money. If you're thinking of giving your friend a nice watch or a clock, think twice. The phrase give a clock in Chinese sounds like attend a funeral. Not the sentiment you're probably trying to put across. As the British Minister of Culture found out the hard way when she gifted the mayor of Taipei a watch, she hadn't done her research and unwittingly offended him, who responded by saying he would sell it to a scrap dealer. Neither would you want to give a man a green hat. There are actually multiple reasons why a green hat means that his wife has been cheating on him. 
Making a fruit basket for a hostess gift? Mandarins are good because their name translates to gold, but no pears because that means separation. On the day a child's born in China, he or she begins life as a one-year-old. The time in utero is counted as their first year of life. So it's their second birthday biologically when the big first birthday party happens. On that day, the child is placed in front of an array of objects, and whatever they pick up first is believed to reveal an aspect of their personality or their future interests. If they pick up a toy plane, maybe they want to be a pilot. If they pick up a mirror, they might grow up to be vain. Interestingly, there are entire years that are considered bad luck years. It's taboo for women to celebrate turning 30, 33, or 66. To cast aside bad luck at 30, women remain 29 for an extra year. Oh, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? At 33, evil spirits are ushered away by pounding on a piece of meat 33 times before discarding it. And at 66, the birthday girl recruits a daughter or a close female friend to cut up a piece of meat for her exactly 66 times. Scheduling birthdays is easier in Vietnam than in some other countries we've mentioned. It's on New Year's Day. For everyone. Everyone celebrates their birthday on Tet. You heard about Tet before in episode 93, New Year, New Everyone. Your date of birth doesn't really matter. When Tet rolls around, you are now a year older. A baby turns one on Tet whether they've been breathing the outside air for one month or twelve. This can cause some awkwardness in childhood. In school, for example, you can see children two years apart in biological age in the same grade. On the first morning of Tet, adults congratulate children on making it through the past year with Li Zi, lucky money, again in red envelopes. In Vietnam, and China, Thailand, and a number of other places, always give and accept gifts with both hands, palm up. The recipient will probably refuse, and refuse again, and maybe a third time. If you're the recipient, you should do the same. When the person finally accepts, you're expected to thank them. In Korea, on a child's 100th day of life, a small feast with rice cakes and sweetened red or black bean cakes is held to celebrate the child having survived that long. If the baby is sick, they skip the party and don't mention the milestone day, to avoid jinxing the baby. A child's most important birthday is their first birthday, and it may be the only one that gets celebrated. A huge to-do is to-done, complete with a big meal, your best clothes, and all the stops pulled out for decorating. Just as in China, the child may be offered different objects to divine their future. It's difficult to really know what goes on for birthdays for their cousins in North Korea, in 2017, Supreme Leader Kim Jong-un banned all gatherings that include alcohol and singing. So I'll go out on a limb and say that when birthdays are celebrated, they're done as quietly as possible. It's the opposite to celebrating the birthdays of Kim Jong-un's grandfather, Kim Il-sung, and his father, Kim Jong-il. Those are national holidays. And they're mandatory. On these days, the Day of the Sun, and the Day of the Shining Star, respectively. North Koreans must visit locations connected to the lives of the former leaders, including statues erected in their honor. 
Plus, Christians are banned from celebrating Christmas Eve on December 24th and must instead celebrate the birthday of Kim Jong-un's dead grandmother, Kim Jong-suk. And no North Korean is permitted to celebrate their birthday if it falls on December 17th, the date of Kim Jong-il's death, or July 8th, the anniversary of Kim Il-sung's death. In Japan, there is a Shinto festival called Shichiko-san, which roughly means 7-5-3. All three-year-old children, boys when they're five and girls when they're seven, are taken to the temple. The family gives thanks for the child's health and prays for a long life to come, and the child receives special sweets from the priest. If you're the birthday E, you'd wear brand new fancy clothes, and on the way home, you might stop for a special bag of candy with the words sweets for 1,000 years of life written on them. The gifts you give in Japan are only as good as their wrapping. The wrapping must not only be smartly executed, but there are meanings to go along with how it's done. For example, an odd number of pleats in the paper stands for joy. And that's where we run out of ideas, at least for today. So how does that birthday paradox happen? Why are the odds of finding someone in a room of 20 people with the same birthday 10 times higher than asking people in the wild? When you put 20 people in a room, each of the 20 people is now asking 19 other people what their birthdays are. Each individual person has the less than 5% chance of success, but each person is trying 19 times. This increases the chances dramatically. Remember, you can always find the research sources and the script for the show at yourbrainonfacts.com. Be sure to stay tuned for the guest segment from the Turn of Phrases podcast. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and for helping me to celebrate these past two years of Your Brain on Facts. Salutations! I'm Brisky, and on the Turn of Phrases podcast, I look for the meaning and origin of well-known phrases. Sometimes it's hard to track down the exact history, and that can be true for individual words as well. In fact, fake words have sometimes found their way into the vernacular, and when they do, it's known as a ghost word. Merriam-Webster defines this as a word form never in established usage. Ghost words usually happen due to typos or misunderstandings. One of the most well-known is the word dord, spelled D-O-R-D, which was said to mean density. Added to Webster's New International Dictionary in 1934, it took five years for someone to realize the original submission had said D or D and was intended to indicate that the letter D, both uppercase and lowercase, could be an abbreviation for density. Therefore, Dord wasn't a real word and was removed from the dictionary. The world is constantly changing and transforming. Cut through some of the noise with What's New with Wired, a podcast that goes in-depth on the latest news and technology and culture. Their award-winning journalism will help you make sense of what's happening in the world. Listen to What's New with Wired wherever you get your podcasts. That's What's New with Wired, wherever you get your podcasts.